Today, I want to talk to those of you, and we've all been there, and if you're not there now, I, I didn't come to bring bad news. I came to bring great news, but if you're not in this particular demographic that I want to speak to today, understand this. You may be. Uh, you may be there one day. Maybe you just came out of it so you understand, and this may be a little too painfully real, perhaps. But I'm going to speak today out of love. I hope you receive it as such. But I want to talk to those of you who feel like you're settling. You're settling for life. You're settling in life. Those who believe that God was going to do something amazing. You were told that, and not just by those whom you, you admire and those who hold you accountable and the spiritual authorities in your life, but God's told you that. But then you had faith for miracles, and you were believing, and you had everybody praying for you and for whatever it is you're having faith for, and you were waiting on a move of God in your life, but then life kept moving. Life just kept happening day after day after day, and not much went down spiritually in your life. It doesn't make you wrong. That doesn't make you bad. It very possibly could be God trying to teach you as he's taught me, and I'm still learning, how to be patient and to wait on God. To wait on him for the answer that you're looking for, the direction that you need. When it comes to spiritual things, right now you just, you just want God to do anything. I want to talk to those of you who were believing. You're, you wouldn't necessarily say maybe you're in a wilderness. Maybe you are. But you're not necessarily thinking you're in a wilderness. You just need God to do anything. Oh, there's something that you need specifically, but you would settle for anything. I want to talk to you today on a simple subject. Greater. 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 Maybe you had greater plans than what you're living right now. I don't know. Let's just get super practical. Maybe you were going to start a business, and it was going to be amazing. You had the plan. You had a name. You had downloaded all the proper documents from the interwebs so that you would be all legal and everything ready to go. And you were thinking, you're going to do something absolutely amazing. It's going to be fantastic. You're going to be able to do what you love. You're going to pour into it. You're going to have just great stories to tell. You're just going to have it put together. You were ready. God gave you the green light. So you started putting things into motion. And now you find yourself saying, even though you were going to, all the blessing God gave you, you were just going to flip it, man. You were going to be a conduit, not a bucket. You were just going to give it all back to the Lord. You were ready, had your ducks in a row, and now you're just asking God, I just need a job. Just a job. Just give me a job. I need a job with benefits, God. How about that? God, I need to make rent. You're not even thinking about that adventure. It didn't happen when you thought it would happen, so now, God, anything, anything. Maybe like me when I was 18 years old and became a dad, I just wanted to be a great dad. I wanted to be a great dad and a great husband. Maybe you just, you just wanted to be a fantastic parent. God gave you the green light, gave you a little blessing. I'm going to read books about how to be a good parent. I'm going to read bedtime stories to my kid every night. Anybody say that? How'd that last? I get it, man. I get it. I mean, with us, it was usually go to bed and don't get up again. Sorry, Heather. That was a little fresh, wasn't it? 
But you wanted to be a good parent. You did. You wanted, man, you were going to have the greatest Pinterest parties your kid's ever seen. FYI, I don't know if your kid really, you know, cares that one-year-old, but that's not important right now. If it makes you feel good, do it. But you had it put together, and then one day your prayer changed. Your prayer is just, God, just don't let me just snuff them out before bedtime. (laughs) You just want, God, anything, anything, anything. And I could give you scenario after scenario, marriage, healing, finances, but we can find ourselves settling. We can find ourselves lowering our expectations. I want you today to leave with greater expectation, expecting a greater blessing from God than you are receiving right now. That's my desire. That's my assignment today, is to hopefully get you turned in the direction of expecting greater. Somebody say amen, please. I want to give you a thought, and I hope this thought resonates with you, but what I really hope, it gets down deep inside of you as we continue to look at God's word this morning. Here's a key thought for you, and I'd ask you to just write it down if you're not already. The key thought is that you have no idea what God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. Dwayne, say amen for me, will you, buddy? Because they don't don't even want this message today. So me and you, you're my ride or die through this message, okay? (laughs) Are they they amen? Can you just put that? You have no idea. Can I say something? I have no idea. I have no idea what God wants to produce in your life. I have no idea what he wants to produce through your life with a single seed that you plant in faith. No idea. Here's what I do know, though. It'll be greater than you expected. It'll be greater than you expected. It'll be more than you expected. And I'm, listen, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel this morning. I just want to talk simple and plain truth to you today. I want to start in the Old Testament. We're going to look at a couple named Abraham and Sarah, or Abram, as our story will unpack it. Their story is recorded in Genesis 12. I told you to be in 15. I hope you're there. I want to set it up if I could. Abraham and Sarah had a dream like every other couple. They wanted to have a kid, right? Unfortunately, they couldn't conceive. They just couldn't do it naturally. And they were devastated by it. I mean, it's a big deal now, and I'm not downplaying it in the least, but it was a different culture then and there. And there was was different ramifications in your life if you could not bear a child. As a father, if you did not have a son, there were different ramifications than there are today. And they were devastated by it, and they had big plans. But here's the thing. God knew they couldn't have a child, so God speaks to them. God's very clear, God's very direct, and he begins to give them a promise, and he tells them that they have to take a massive step of faith. They have to believe. God says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And remember, what's our key thought? You have no idea, no idea what God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. You have no idea. They wanted a son. God said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. You're going to be the father of many nations. Come on now, get with me on this message. They hear this, and here's what they immediately think. They immediately think, God doesn't lie. Now, in the spirit of full transparency, because you know the story, i got to tell the whole story. The whole story is Sarah wasn't really on board. I mean, she was down with it, but she wasn't all in. You know the story. But listen, that little bit of doubt didn't stop God from doing what he said he would do. So I came to validate your doubt today. 
I came to validate your little, what you call a lack of faith. I'm talking to the ones who have lowered their expectation from what God wants to do in your life. Because you have no idea what God can produce through a single seed that you plant in faith. They said, God said it, so we're going to be parents. If God said it, then it's going to happen. They said, this is the news we've been waiting for. Listen, God gave us a promise. So immediately, they're probably thinking of baby names. We don't have their entire life transcribed in our preserved book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. We don't have their entire conversations. They might have been talking about baby names. You know how it goes. Maybe they're planning for the new edition. They're going to have to, man, they're going to have to make more room. I don't know how it was, but a month comes and a month goes. And they're not pregnant. You know what? No big deal. God said it. We're going to believe it. He's just given us a little longer to prepare. Anybody know what I'm talking about when God gives you a promise and you don't see it when you think you're going to see it? So you start trying to make excuses for yourself so you feel better about God not answering your prayer request. Oh, you know what? God's just given us more time to prepare. God's just given more time. Listen, that ain't reality. Reality is, come on, God. Where are you? You said we'd be pregnant. Another month, another month comes, another month goes, not pregnant again, but it's all good. Then the third month, fourth month, fifth month, sixth month, you get the idea. And this is a message for those who've lowered your expectations. This happened in Genesis 12. Now let's fast forward to Genesis 15, if you would, please. I hope you have your Bible with you. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. Your Bible says, some time later, the Lord spoke to Abram, or Abraham. Some time later. Genesis 12, there's a promise. Genesis 15, there's some time later. Sometime, sometime later. Man, I dug this out because that jumped out at me. Sometime later. I need a time frame, God. To make this relevant in Jeff Burke's life, I need a time frame. So I just started digging around. Every scholar believes it's at least a decade between Genesis 12 and, you didn't, you didn't hear, at least 10 years from the promise to sometime later. 10 years at least. Now other theologians differ. They think it's even longer, but I want to just, for integrity's sake, I'm going to go with the lowest number. 10 years I'll say it again, Genesis 12, we have a promise. Genesis 15, some time later. Let's continue to read. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. Verse 2. But Abram replied, Oh, sovereign Lord, would you just feel the weight of what he's getting ready to say? Oh, sovereign Lord. In other words, I know you know everything. I know you can do everything. I know what you've told us. And I'm trying to stay faithful. But what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Wow. Can I tell you? I've been guilty of that. Can I tell you? In the sometime later moments of my life, I have failed to see. I've got a wife of over 40 years that loves me. I've got kids that actually call me. I have grandkids that think I'm a superhero. 
I've got food on my table. The wolf's not at my door. No. Sometimes in the sometime later seasons of our life, we can turn out to have an attitude like Abraham had. What good are all your blessings? You haven't given me a son. God help us see it. What good is all you give me? A decade of more of unfulfilled dreams, unfulfilled promises, over 10 years of what appears to be God dropping the ball. Oh, can I tell you again that you have no idea what God may produce through a single seed you plant in faith. You have no idea. There was a, at least 120 disappointments because every month, you still with me? You get this, right? Every month, she wasn't pregnant. 50 months, 75 months, 100 months, 120 months. What good are all your blessings? I don't even have a son. Where are you at, God? I thought you were going to do something. You gave me a promise 10 years ago. Some of you have that own version of your story. I don't know what it is. God, I know you're going to hear my prayer. My dad's going to get saved. I know that. I know that. And a year goes by, and maybe your dad's meaner than he's ever been. You have no idea what God may produce through one single seed planted in faith. I'm talking about being greater today. See, God, by Christmas... You said I'd have that new job. You told me to take this turn in my life. And so I went back to school and I did this. I, I had your blessing on it. God, where is this going? Because Christmas came and Christmas gone. And I'm now, I'm trying to get something minimum wage. I got to get some money. Was this you or was this not you? No, it was him. It was him. But when you're in the sometime later moments of your life, you forget the blessings and the promise of God. I wish somebody would say amen right there. I'll say it myself. I'm about to pray. I'm preaching better than you're responding today. From Abraham's point of view, nothing was happening. Nothing. No. Listen, day after day, every time she got a little nauseous, can you imagine? Oh, this is it. This is it. God, you're the best. God, this is awesome. How you feeling, baby? Not too good? Ha <laughs> ha! This is it. Bring my camels. We're going to tell everybody. A son's coming. What's that, babe? Oh. Okay. All right. Hmm. There was a promise in Genesis 12. And there was some time later in Genesis 15... And here's his lowered expectations, Abraham's. We just read it. See, God said, I'll make you a nation. Abraham said, just give me a son. Just give me a son. A son is not the end of the story, Abram. No, a nation is the end of the story. I know, but in the sometime later season, I didn't get the son, so how can I even expect to get the nation? Because you have no idea what God wants to do and can do when you plant a seed in faith. So he begins to settle. He begins to lower his expectations. Now, you know the story, and you know that he made some horrible decisions. Amen. You know the story. 
That's not the point of my message today. The point of my message is when you lower your expectations, you will miss the greater move of God. But I'm not here to wag my finger at you because I get it. I come to validate you. Now let's move on from it. Amen? Let's just move on from it. Let's expect greater. Let's live greater. Let's be greater. And let's see greater. When it comes to faith, when it comes to life, when it comes to God's blessings, if you're taking notes, please write this down. I just have three easy points this morning that I hope drive this home in a simple way. When it comes to God's blessing, number one, please get this, we think addition. God thinks multiplication. See, Abram said, just give me one. Yes, because one plus one is the other one. It's three. So just give us... But see, God doesn't work in addition. God works in multiplication. Somebody needs to say amen. If you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, what did God tell Adam and Eve? Be fruitful and... Didn't say be fruitful and add a body or two. No, be fruitful and multiply. Because God doesn't work in addition. God works in multiplication. It's greater. Jesus said... A great story. He told a parable about a guy who plants a field. You know the story, but let's make this fit today. Matthew chapter 13, 3 through 9. Matthew 13. You know the story, but I want you to feel this. I want you to hear it. Matthew 13. Starting in verse 3. He said, listen. I love this. Listen, exclamation point. Listen, I'm I'm asking you, please listen. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. Verse 6, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. Since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop. Now get this, please. The seed, planted in faith, produces a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times, come on, 100 times as much as was planted. And I love verse 9. Originally, I didn't include it, and I'm like, no, I got to include it. Anybody with ears, anybody, anybody with ears to hear should listen and understand that God doesn't work in addition. God works in multiplication. And because you have no idea, and I have no idea, and I'm saying it openly and honestly, I have no idea what God can produce. When a single seed is planted in faith, one seed in faith is a greater multiplying agent than you toiling and worrying and suffering. Are you with me? One seed, one seed. It can have a return, a multiplying return of 30 times, 60 times, 100. Don't think just a son. Think a nation. Greater, greater. Abraham and Sarah wanted a son. A decade passed. Nothing. Come on, feel this. I don't know what you've been praying for. I don't know who you've been praying for. But there's something you've been praying for, and it's not moving. It's frustrating you. You've been believing God's going to do something, that God would hear the cry of your heart. Please hear this. He heard you. He heard you. 
And now it's in his hands. And now it's in his hands. Can I tell you, that's where you want it? That's where you want it. You've been crying out to God that he would bring a miracle. That he would change something. That he would make a provision that you've needed. And you've been praying. You've been believing. And it feels like nothing is happening. Please hear this. When it comes to faith... We think addition, but God thinks multiplication. But number two, just because you don't see something doesn't mean God's not doing something. Come on. Just because you don't see something doesn't mean God's not doing something. I, I, I wouldn't be good at trying to give you farmer illustrations because I ain't one. Clearly not an English teacher either. But I, I, but I get the concept because I had the honor and privilege to help my father raise gardens. And I had to make those little holes in the ground with whatever he gave me to make it with. And he'd drop a couple seeds in the ground. And that man, Miss Kim will tell you, that garden was out of control. And dad would always, when it was me and him up there weeding the weeds out or whatever he had me doing, he would always bring up how blown away he was at how little he planted and how much he got. Oh, we need to get back to that reality. We need to have the mindset of greater. When you plant a seed in the ground, what you don't see is what's happening under the soil. What's happening under the, what's happening under the weight of the soil. Because just because we don't see God doing anything doesn't mean He's not doing something. We just have to believe greater. I thought about, you ever heard of the Gideons? You know who that is? The folks who leave the Bible in your hotels and the likes. I, I stumbled on a, an interview. It's, it's kind of old now. It's probably five, eight years. But a, a uh, it was at a leadership conference, and the Gideons had a, 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 a merch table, and they were given a testimony and stuff like that. Well, they were interviewing one of the Gideons. And I just thought it was so interesting. And I, I didn't even, two and two didn't even make four to me until after the fact. I listened to it, and I was blessed by it and just encouraged by their effort and their zeal and their diligence. But then it kind of hit me, and I went back, and I watched it again, and I extracted this out of it. One gentleman was asked, what do you think about before you go out and start giving away Bibles? What do you, what do you think about? What, what's going through your mind as you're just leaving Bibles everywhere? Hotel rooms, airports, everywhere you're leaving them, churches. What are you thinking about? I quote, he said this, I see it like sowing seeds. You never know if a seed's going to do you never know if a seed is going to do in good ground or bad ground, but you continue to plant seeds believing that some seeds will take root. I pray every single time I go out, God, may one seed bear good fruit. Have you ever stopped to think about how many Bibles these guys have put down? I, I mean, it's mind-blowing. And what's so powerful to me about this is he never gets to see the the fruit from the seed that he plants. They put it in a room. They shut the drawer, go out, lock the door, shut the door. And some traveler comes along, cables down, 
What's this? What's, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and whosoever believes on him will not perish, but will live with him for all of eternity. That Gideon's not in the room. Do you feel me? That man who left that Bible's not in the room. But listen, you know, he planted a seed in faith. And we never know. Just because God don't look like he's doing anything, he's doing something. And we don't have to see it. We don't have to see it. We don't have to give him approval. We don't even have to let him. He does it because he's God. Come on, somebody. But if you think about it, and this is what kind of weighed on me heavy this week. When I watched that little clip about the Gideons, I didn't know why I watched it other than it was interesting, and I thought the interview was doing really good, and I always want to be a better communicator, so I was kind of watching how he was doing it. God, God's so good. When I heard that little interview about the Gideons, two days later, I thought, that's my story. No, no, that's my story, and it's your story. My story is simple. A guy knocks on our door in 1967. I was five years old. He was working a bus route. My mom gets on a church bus the following Sunday and she gets saved. One ride, one visit. One ride. One seed. One seed. My mom gets saved. The following Thursday, an old country preacher comes to our house. One visit. My dad kneels before his couch. Gives his life to Jesus. One bus ride. God. One visit. One preacher, one seed. I stand here today because one knock came on my mama's door in 1967. And some guy, some wet behind the ear guy that just was trying to do what he needed to do, invited my mom because she had a house full of kids and said, hey, do you want to ride this trip? Mom just wanted to get out of the daggone house. My mama didn't drive. She's like, I'll ride the bus. So we crawl on that bus, me and my brothers and sisters, and we go to that church. My mama goes down front at that invitation. She kneels down at an altar. I kneel beside her because I just wanted to be with mama. She asked Jesus into her heart. She got up changed. She was saved. One knock, one visit, one bus ride changed the world. God. I need to calm down a little bit. Let's fast forward a little bit. February the 21st, next Sunday, 1983. I'm standing on the back row of a church. One sermon. Are you hearing me yet? One sermon. And the guy who was leading the song... He said, we're going to sing one more verse, one more verse, one more verse, one more verse. And I'm like, come on for the love of Mike, not another verse. You've sung this song for an hour. He said, one more verse. This verse is for you. Whoosh. One verse, one seed planted in faith. I hope you're hearing me. He said, Jeff, but... 
You've been in church all your life. I know you're getting the point now. All those sermons. I was 20, how old was I, Mama? 1983, I don't know how old I was, probably 20 something, 20 and a half, maybe. Been in church since I was five years old, never missed the service. Mom made sure of it. Sermon after sermon that I wasn't paying attention to, but the seed was getting planted. Sermon after sermon, getting on the road with my father. Testimony after testimony, testimony. One seed. Huh. Yeah. Then I started planting little seeds. I'd see a little harvest from that. I started telling people about Jesus. Saw a little harvest from that. Took my talents and my gifts. Started planting some seeds. Saw a little harvest from that. I started a little church in my basement. Are you hearing me yet? Because one knock on my mama's door and she said yes. Here we are. I said here we are. Like a seed planted in the ground that you didn't see working. God's working. He's still sending the sun. He's still sending the rain. You forgot about that seed. You don't see it working until you look out and you see something popping up out of the ground. You need to hear this. It's been working since the minute you covered it up. The minute you put it in the ground, it started working. Abraham had the same problem that so many of we have, that us have, and I have it. So I'm not being critical. Abraham had a limited perspective. He heard nation. But because it took so long, he lowered his expectation. What good are all your blessings? I don't even have a son. He was trying to set himself up to not be disappointed. And I know you know what I mean. He had very limited perspective. But where was Abraham? Abraham was in a tent. Remember, God came to him in a vision. Abraham was in a tent telling God what he didn't see. Which brings me to my last point. When it comes to faith, when it comes to God's blessing, if God met all your expectations, he wouldn't have a chance to exceed them. If God met every expectation you had, he would never have a chance to exceed them. I hope you're hearing me. Abraham's in its tent. He's telling God what he don't have, what he don't see, and what he's going to settle for. <laughs> Verse 5 of Genesis 15. Then the, Lord took Abram, then the Lord took Abram outside. This is my assignment today. I'm trying to get you outside of your perspective. I'm trying to get you outside of your tent, outside of what you expect. Because listen, God wants to exceed greater in your life than you're experiencing right now. Yeah. Got to believe it. Come on. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up. God, are you hearing this? He took him outside and said, look up. And then God didn't tell him what he was seeing. He said, you look up. You count the stars if you can. You count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you're going to have. But God, you haven't even given me a son yet. Will you stop lowering your expectations? Count those stars. Oh, you can't? That's what I want to do. That's what I'm going to do. Because he promised it. And when he promises, that's just how it is. And if he would have met that expectation with a son, he wouldn't have been able to exceed it with a nation. Abraham's stunned. He's probably shaken. I don't know how it played out, but I'm sure that he worshiped. Amen? <laughs> Maybe he lifted up his hands to God and crying out, God, I'm sorry. I was thinking addition. You were thinking multiplication. My bad. Now, how does this relate to us? 
See, Abraham's not just an obscure Bible character to teach us of how we should be perceiving things. What did Abraham want? A son. What did God tell him he would get? A nation. I promise you, yes, a son, but it's going to be a nation. Galatians chapter 3. Do you understand? You, me, your family, my family, your kids that are downstairs right now learning about Jesus. Five years. Everybody that comes in one door and out the other. We are the seeds of Abraham. God never stopped the blessing. It was greater than Abraham ever thought. Galatians says this. If you belong to Christ. Anybody in the room belong to Christ today? Oh, I wish you'd have shouted right there. Anybody belong to Christ today? Then you are Abraham's seed. Do you understand that Abraham had no idea what God was going to do? Here we are, eons later. And the promise is still unfolding today, right now. You're the seed of Abraham. I'm the seed of Abraham. Oh, just give me a... What good are all your blessings? Just give me a son. <laughs> that was cute, Abram. That was cute. But see, for millennia going forward, people are going to come to know Jesus. And that seed is going to be multiplied. Not added to. Multiplied. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise promise if God just met Abraham's expectations he wouldn't have got a chance to exceed it if God would have met yours he wouldn't have had a chance to exceed it he's still working he's still working Abraham was thinking a son. God was thinking February 14th, 2021. As somebody's going to hear the gospel and say yes to him today. Because the nation's still growing. Somebody say amen. amen. Listen, you never measure God's unlimited power by our limited expectation. Don't do it. I know it's tempting. One seed planted in faith can change a generation, change your family. may not see it today, and I get that. And God may not do exactly what you want him to do, or maybe exactly what you think he'll do or when he's going to do it. But listen, don't grow weary in doing good. Because if we don't faint, we'll reap the harvest. God, I hope somebody's hearing me. How much faith do you need to see that? How much faith do you need to see greater in your life? Well, according to Jesus, the size of a mustard seed. See, 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 don't let the enemy trip you up and make you start telling yourself that your faith is no good. Or your faith ain't strong enough. Or your faith ain't big enough. Jesus puts that to rest. 
with the faith the size of a mustard seed. You tell that mountain to be removed and it'll be removed if it pleases God. I hope you're hearing it. I think somebody needs to hear the fact that our God is working. Our God is, well, I'll try over here. Our God is working. Our, thank you. Our God is with you. Our God is for you. Our God is powerful. Our God is not mad at you. Thank you, Jesus. Our God is the God of salvation. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God is the God of forgiveness. Our God is the God of breakthroughs. Our God is the God of new beginnings. Our God is the God of second chances. Our God is the God that in faith can do anything he wants to in your life. But you have to believe greater. I don't know, but I, the verse that, I, I honestly, I can't wrap my mind around. I believe it in faith. I've preached on it. I've heard Pastor Dwayne say it many times. We serve a God that can do exceedingly, abundantly, more. Wait. Ain't exceedingly enough? Oh, it is, but I'm believing for greater. Abundantly? Oh, that's, that's okay, so we're up, okay, greater exceedingly, abundantly. Let me just say this, God said, more. How much is that? I know it's more than abundantly and exceedingly or it wouldn't be where it's at. Our God is the God who can do exceedingly and abundantly more. Listen, that's not addition, that's multiplication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can do exceedingly, abundantly more than all we can ask, think, or imagine. I don't know about you, but man, I have got a cartoon imagination, man. I am, there's no boundaries and borders in my imagination. I love it. Uh, it's a great place to go. <laughs> more than I can ask, more than I can think, more. <laughs> Then I can eat. That's the God of greater. That's the God of greater. You have no idea how many lives can be touched. And you have no idea. I have no idea what God wants to produce with one single seed planted in faith. Let's pray together. Father, I'd ask you to move in this place right now. God, I'd ask you to just speak to us, your church. God, inspire us, encourage us, build our faith. But God, build our expectation and change our perspective so that we can believe that you want to do more in our lives than we could ever, ever ask. And God, help us believe that you can do more through us. That we can, we can enlarge our territory. God, we can help the hurting. We can feed the hungry all in the vehicle of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, begin to speak to us now about the greater. Lord, I'd ask you to visit right now the ones watching online, the ones even in the room under the sound of my voice that would say, I've lowered my expectation of what I want God to do and what I think he will. God, I ask you to forgive us today. Speak to us in the name of Jesus. Let me talk to two groups of people today. Still praying. 
to those who've been waiting on God. And we could break that down theology, uh, theologically. We could break that down like, you know, God's uh, time doesn't interfere with God. We could, just, we could talk about that. Honestly, I'm talking about the way you feel right now. You feel like you're waiting on God. And what it's producing is discouragement. What it's producing is something inside of you that is bringing up confusion. So the first group I want to talk to today is those of you who, you, you feel like you're in this infinite loop right now. Mm, God help me. You've been waiting for God, but you feel discouraged. If that's you, just lift up your hands. I'm just going to pray right now. We're just going to pray for it. God bless you, dear. Who else? And there, thank you, son. Proud of you. Right there, who else? God bless you. God, thank you for a timely word. Father, God, thank you for folks leaning into your word. I pray today. God, just like Abraham and Sarah, you've given a promise. Oh, but it's been some time later. God, I pray that our faith wouldn't waver. I pray, God, that starting right now, right now, I pray, Lord Jesus, you would begin to speak into the hearts of people to change their expectation to greater. God, that their perception would change, that you are doing a work. And God, that our faith would be completely in you, not in a person, not in a decision. That our faith is in you and you alone. Our prayers resting at your feet. And God, that your perfect will, your perfect provision, your perfect timing. God, all of that, God. That's in your plan. That's in your hands. God, I pray you would encourage those who are discouraged today. As they learn to be still and wait. For those of you that had raised your hands, I, I, I just want to tell you, God's not mad or disappointed in you that you're feeling the way you're feeling. But you got to stop settling. You got to stop lowering your expectations. Lean into him. Lean into his promise that he will never leave or forsake you. That he'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Lean into what is truth. Lean into what you know. For others of you, I believe that God brought you here for this moment right here. Because you are going to be a part of the answer to the promise that God gave Abraham. You, as you believe completely and fully in Jesus Christ as your Savior today, right now, when you do that, you become part of the seed of Abraham, part of the promise that God gave Abraham all the way back in Genesis 12. This is yours sometime later right here. Or faith and grace and repentance and forgiveness intersect. 
So I'm not asking you if you prayed before. I'm not asking you how your church attendance is hanging. I'm not asking you how much you give. I'm asking you that if you have a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is your Savior and your Lord, I'm inviting you to draw a line in the sand, step over it once and for all. He loves you so much. <laughs> he loves you when you're upside down. He loves you when you're right side up. Today, if you're watching online, you're going to be an answer to the promise that God gave Abraham. Today, today is the day you say yes. While we're praying, if you would say, Jeff, I need to make him Lord of my life. I need forgiven for my sins. Today's my do-over. Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2020. One sermon, one invitation, one seed planted. Today, it bears fruit. Jeff, I need Jesus. All of him gets all of me. Just raise your hand. We're going to pray a sinner's prayer. We'll get you a Bible. God bless you, sir. I'm so proud of you. I, 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 I know how that feels and the courage it takes to do that. Today is the day the fruit is seen. Who else? You know, when on February the 21st, I've been thinking about it because the date's coming up. I've played over and over in my head that night I got saved after being in church God, my whole life. I remember I went down to the front of the church and the assistant pastor who had spoke that night, he's trying to find Romans Road, as Pastor Dwayne talked about last week. He's trying to find Romans Road and finally he was so frustrated he just handed me the Bible and said, you know this as good as I do. You know what to do. So for those of you that raised your hand, those of you online that are acknowledging this and leaning into this invitation, you know what to do. And you don't have to do anything elaborate. It's not that hard. It's Jesus. I'm a sinner. And you're the Savior. Forgive me of my sin. I repent of it. I've lowered my expectation. And I've bailed on you. And I've tried to do it on my own. And that's getting me nowhere. And I'm sorry. I believe you paid the price for my sins. I believe you conquered death, hell, and the grave. And you are alive today. And you're calling me now. And I'm responding. And I say, yes, Jesus. I receive you as the Savior of my life, but I make you the Lord of my life, and I move myself off my heart's throne, and I put you right there where you deserve to be. And I worship you, and I praise you, and I thank you for what you've done in my heart today. Today, my expectations have changed. 
You've done something greater in me. And I give my life as a living sacrifice. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Church, can we give a shout of praise for those who said yes to Jesus today? Listen, if you're here today and God spoke to you in any way, listen, fill out one of the cards. Just let us know what God's doing in your life. If you have a prayer request, if you receive Jesus today, just let us know. Here's what won't happen. Me and Dwayne's not going to come to your house unless we're invited. We're not going to send you any literature. We're not going to knock your door down. We're certainly not going to come at dinner time again unless we're invited. But we want to help you. Because as weird as it sounds, you've just done the easy part. Now it's getting one foot in front of the other for the rest of your life. So let us know what God's doing in your life. Just put them in one of the boxes, and Dwayne and I get those. We'll be praying over them, and if you want to talk to us, just reach out to us. We love you guys. Thank you so much. Have a great week. God bless you.